Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. Today we're going to talk about look up and live out. Look up and live out. And Mel didn't know what I was preaching on this morning, but I tell you that final verse of Cornerstone. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found. And uh, I mean, the reality is if I could stand here and say today, at 3.12 this afternoon, Jesus is returning. Well, what would we do? How would we respond in the next four hours? What, how would we, would, would, it, would it change anything? Would we just be excited or would we be adjusting things? Would we be sharing things with people? Would we be acting, moving, living in any kind of different way? If I could say for sure, you know, 312 this afternoon, 315 this afternoon, there's going to be a sound and we're out of here. Would it change your life? And this is the, the soberness that I feel, which is just, um, it's just bizarre. But I feel like part of this move of what God is doing right now, it's not by accident. It's not just like, here's a wave of, it's a good God wave. No, it's a preparation wave. It's about getting the church ready. And uh, the word tells us that when Jesus comes, the bride has made herself ready. The bride has prepared something. The bride has gotten stuff straightened out. The bride is right with God. And we don't, we don't live perfectly, but we live surrendered to a perfect God who paid it all. And we live in such a way to honor him and bring glory to him. And we live in such a way that the light that we carry actually shines beautifully to the people around us and draws them by his spirit. I've been thinking about these questions, and I mean, maybe you're new to church world, and, and everything I'm about to say is just going to sound crazy. Don't listen with your ears. Listen with your heart. Uh, I, I understand that we speak a different language sometimes when we're in church for a while, and, uh, and we just assume everybody knows what we're talking about, and maybe not everybody does, but the reality is, even this morning when we prayed about the spiritual heaviness, and, and there's a lot of people who are like, I believe in God, but I don't believe in demons. That's not possible. If the Bible's true, then there's both sides of that coin. There is a good God who is eternal, and there is a demonic realm that is fully sin and fully evil. And there is a, a specific timeline on the earth that keeps that in check, that keeps it, that keeps it covered so that evil will not you know, overtake. There's a limit on how much time this earth will, will be here. And so when we look at that, according to the word, if we want to believe in God, we have to believe in the whole story. And so there is resistance, is what I'm saying, to the truth of God. There is a lot of distraction. There's a lot of shininess. There's a lot of, of, of noise. There's a lot of stuff that wants our attention. And, and the sense that I have on the inside is that God is like, I want you to be fully, completely in. There's a reason the word says, I would rather you be hot or cold. 
but lukewarm's a problem. And, and I don't know where any of us are at. I just believe that God wants each one of us to lay hold of the fact that when he shall come with trumpet sound. I don't want to be guilty of having missed an assignment and not told people the truth. Not told people. And I don't want to be the one who got distracted by the stuff and I, I miss the assignment that he's got on my life. And so it's, it's asking questions like this. Where are we in the eternal timeline? Is there an eternal timeline? If there is, does it matter? Yes, it does. If it does, how does it affect how we live? And how does it affect our interaction with others? How does it affect our interaction with God? Authentic faith is anchored in the truth of a relationship with God. Not a knowledge of God. Not an awareness of God. Not a religious consent to God but a relationship with God. This is where authentic faith grows, trust develops. The relationship with God is proven by our willingness to take him at his word, to believe what it says. If we say this is the word of God, then do we actually believe what he says in here? And if he does, does it change us? In his word, we know that we are living in a temporary situation with an eternal God. We are living in a temporary situation. That freaks some people out. The idea of the passing of time. I mean, some of us are like in shock that it's Easter in two weeks because we're still working on our New Year's resolutions. Still trying to figure out what we're going to try and do this year, you know? But there is a, a passing of time, and it's quick, and it can't stop. It is what it is. This is a temporary thing. And our experience then in eternity is determined by how we live now. If this is a temporary situation, and we are connected to an eternal God, and there is an eternity, then what I do today matters. That is such a sobering, like... It's irrelevant, actually, how do I feel about this? It's either truth or it's not. And this is what the invitation is when God invites us to the gospel. It's a yes or no. It's a I'm in or I'm out. But if I'm in, then I better be all the way in. I better be all the way engaged because there is stuff that is happening. It's interesting how, um, I'm not going to get all up on the climate change thing, but I will mention I will mention that there is a radical pursuit right now globally to try and stop the decay of the earth. That there are things that are happening, and, and I'm not saying I'm for or against climate change, whatever. I'm just saying that if we look at it through carnal eyes and we go, oh my goodness, we broke it, we can fix it. We are arrogant and we are wrong. We are commissioned to be stewards of the earth, so we should be taking good care of what God puts in our hands. But the reality is the world is decaying. 
that the earth will wear out. The word tells us that there is a timeline on it, that there is a limited amount that we can't, we can't slow down the sovereign timeline of God. And so maybe some of the stuff that we see around us is the consequence of poor choices. And maybe some of it's just the consequences of sin on an earth that has a limited timeline. And so what, what, why that matters to us is that if that becomes our obsession, instead of, oh my goodness, time is short, I'm just telling you it's a distraction. N- not that you shouldn't recycle. Do recycle. But, but if, you're, if your focus, if the focus of our governments, if the focus of our world around us is how do we fix it? How do we repair it? How do we tax it? How do we pay for it? How do we whatever? And the reality is Jesus is coming back and there is an eternal per- decision that has to be made. This over here is just like like Megan's saying, smoke and mirrors. This over here is something that is not as real as the imminent return of Christ. We have to keep our eyes on what it is that we are pursuing, who it is that we are pursuing, and where it is that we are going. Let me give you a couple of scriptures. Matthew 24, 42 to 44 says, Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour the Lord is coming, but know this, If the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready for the son of man is coming at an hour you don't expect. Watch and be ready. These are the instructions. This is right out of the words in red. This is Jesus talking. What is our job? Our job is not to have a good time. I'm here for a good time, not a long time. Now, I'm here, I'm here for a short period of time, and so my job is to watch and be ready. To watch and be ready. And those that he has entrusted to me to, to live in relationship with, to walk with, it is to help them to watch and be ready. Not to ask things like, are you having fun? I mean, the reality is walking with God is fun. He gives us life and life abundantly, joy unspeakable and full of glory. So I'm not saying you're signing up for a life of misery. I'm just saying it's the pursuit. What is the pursuit? What are we craving? Are we ready? Are we watching? Luke 21, 25 to 28 says, There will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth distress of nations, with perplexity, the seas and the waves roaring. Men's hearts failing them from fear. Wow. And the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to happen, do you recognize any of the things I just said? When these things begin to happen, look up And lift your heads because your redemption draws near. Look up and lift your heads. Don't freak out. Don't don't try and... I mean, earthquakes are happening all the time. Tsunamis, volcanoes, stuff in the sky, stars. it's, It's happening. We don't panic. We look up. And we realize there is something that is happening and we lift our heads and we pursue. It describes specifically men's hearts are failing them for fear. 
The number one issue that our nation faces right now is anxiety about everything. Fear is creating this thing that is dictating people's actions and their responses and their choices. And God's like, when stuff starts to shake, you have to look at the bigger picture. I'm telling you, I'm getting to the point where not that we don't plan for, you know, retirement or old age or whatever, but honestly, I mean, I don't know if we're going to make it there. Some of you are thinking right now, you are old. How do, how is, <laughs> huh. there is a time to look up and to see what it is that God has for us. Men's hearts are failing them for fear. Look up, lift your heads. The reality of that is not, okay, so this is the moment that Jesus might be coming any time, and so we're just going to pause. We're going to just look up. We're just going to hunker down. We're just going to take care of our family, us four, no more. We're just going to get in the safe zone and wait for Jesus to come because we're looking up, and it's going to happen any day. He's just going to get us out of here. That would be anti-scriptural. And so I want to just play for you, if I can. Um, there's a clip I think it's from 1957 or something. Just to give you a feel for this. The Bible says that this hope of his coming should cause us to watch. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. The Bible indicates that to us that know him, it should purify us. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself. It should make us united as Christians and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. It should cause us to evangelize. Occupy till I come. Occupy with loving your neighbor. Occupy. Don't sit down and say the Lord's coming. I'm just going to sit here and wait for his coming. No. That's sin against God. That's displeasing to God. Go back to your school. Go back to your home. Go back to your church. Go back to your social obligations. And work as you've never worked. Occupy till I come. Go down among the people. Help the poor. Love your neighbor no matter what race he may be. Give food for the hunger. Get involved in the world in which we're living as a light and a shining testimony for Christ. Ye are the salt of the earth. Ye are the light of the world. Live for him. And this burning hope within you should make you live more intensely for him than ever before, with far deeper commitment to him than ever before. Yeah, come on. So this clip, I mean, we're talking about in a, in a moment of time that is so far back now that the people who were in that crowd are seniors at this moment. So what, ha what would happen if all the people, I mean, the, the larger uh, picture of that particular message is this massive stadium. What if this massive stadium of people had just decided, I'm going to go home and we're just going to wait until Jesus comes? That would have been a sad lifetime. That would have been... That would have been you know, a disappointment for the things that God had called them to. So the reality is we don't know what soon exactly looks like. We know that in that particular time, you know, there was, there was all kinds of, um, you know, issues with the 
communist situation and potential nuclear wars and things like this. And so there was, there was a lot of challenge and a lot of speculation. Is this the time that Jesus could be coming? And so there, there have been moments in history, pockets where people have felt like maybe this is the time, maybe this is the time, maybe this is the time. And so when we say right now, maybe this is the time, there can be a temptation to disengage from it and go, well, people have thought that before. The reality is, if you live like he just described, occupying till he comes, you would never regret it. You would never regret it. If you lived like Jesus wasn't going to come until 70, 80, 100, 200 years from now, you probably would regret it. If we just live for ourselves, we live for our own stuff, we live for our own picture. What has changed in the earth from the time that Billy Graham preached that message is that we have become completely self-obsessed. Our generation has turned inward and we, instead of living in community and caring for one another and, and serving in neighborhoods and in workplaces, we have, let, we have leaned into, I actually want to work from home. I want to stay with my people. I want to play video games with other people behind goggles in my basement alone. We do stuff like that. We, we don't want to actually go to the bank. We want to do it all online. We don't actually want to go talk to, you know, a lawyer. We want to be able to do it online. We do everything we can internally, and we just worry about ourselves. And Jesus is honestly drawing us out, and he is saying, occupy until I come. The verse there that's being talked about is Luke 19, 13. And Jesus is saying, occupy, do business, do the stuff of life. If Jesus is coming to tomorrow, it actually shouldn't change necessarily your, your career. It shouldn't change the focus of your life. It changes the passion with which you live it, the urgency with which you share the gospel, the way you live, the way you love, the way you talk, but it shouldn't be a radical life change. If we're living in faith, we just live purposefully for him and with him. Colossians 1, uh, 3, 1 to 4 says, if then you were raised with Christ, Seek those things which are above, where Christ is. Sit it at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not on things of the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Seek those things which are above. Set your mind on things above, but occupy until I come. What a weird crossover, right? It's this thing, my mind is set on what God says. My mind is set on his principles. What I seek is based on him, but I live it out right here. Uh, there's this um, phrase, my dad used to say it all the time. Um, not all the time, but he said it, and I thought he came up with it, but he said, you know, they're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. Then I found out actually Johnny Cash had it in a song, just in case you want to look it up. Uh, it is called The Rambler from 1977. But even Johnny Cash didn't make it up. It's actually earlier attributed to Oliver Wendell Holmes Sr. And so in the 1900s, they were talking about this. If you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. False. If you're heavenly minded, that's about the only way you can be earthly good. The only way to know how to function on this earth is to have your mind set on things above. Otherwise, your heart begins to fear and fail you. There's this internal look. And so when we are heavenly minded, it gives us an outward perspective. 2 Corinthians 4 
16 to 18, says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Isn't that interesting? The previous verses talked about their hearts fail them. We do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is, which is but for a moment, is working for us for a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So there's like stuff that we're walking through, but we're not losing heart because there's this eternal thing that we're pursuing, this eternal glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary. Temporary. The draw of this world is going to keep your eyes on the stuff that is right in front of you. I'll feel so much better. It's going to be so much easier to praise when this happens. It's going to be so much easier to worship when this happens. It's going to be so much easier to be in the word when this happens. It's going to be so much easier to love people when this happens. Now, the this happens stuff, it is temporary. The eternal stuff is what we're looking for. The things which are not seen are eternal. They are eternal. So we put our eyes on the eternal things and it gives us the strength, the grace, the wisdom, the knowledge to know how to live in the temporary things. Do you know if you are looking strictly at the temporary, and some of you might feel this already today, the TikTok to the grave is oppressive. Literally, every day you wake up is a day closer to the end. Well, that blows. I mean, honestly, you wake up in the morning, it's like, oh, here we go, one day less. It's like dropping 10 bucks out your bank account every morning you wake up and it's like, I know there's a bottom to that thing. If you know that this is just the path that's taking us to the eternal, then every day we wake up is a day closer to him. One is filled with dread, one is filled with hope, right? If, if I have hope that I'm going forward into something that is eternal and lasting and glorious and beautiful and the nature of God himself, then I want to live explosively for him. I want to live out loud in, in every situation that I go to. I want to share that. I want to share that excitement. I want to share that goodness. I want to share that love. I want to share that joy. I want to share the truth. And I want the people that I love to be with me on the other side. If I'm looking at the temporary, I don't want to offend anybody. So I don't want to say anything. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, I mean, what if I, what if I just spend all this time, I'm book time off and I'm going to go into a prayer weekend. And what if, you know, I mean, really what I should be doing is taking time off and just sitting at the spa, just refreshing this decaying old sack. Not saying I don't go to the spa, I'm just saying. <laughs> My perspective changed when I have eyes on the eternal. When God says to do this, to serve here, to bless there, to honor there, and I've got eyes on the eternal, it changes everything. The cost makes sense when I'm living out of the he's given everything for me, so what, why would I say no to him? It changes everything. But if I'm looking at the here and now, and it's like I'm, you know, I'm looking at what it's going to look like. Boy, I hope to be out of here in 40 years before the world falls apart and the climate's just gone to bits and there's no trees left. I mean, what a distraction. 
What a distraction. God has called us to live in the light and walk in the light. So let me give you, we're going to walk through the, the rest of our morning together. We're going to walk through Psalm 27. Because I believe Psalm 27 gives us a way to do this. King David lived it in his time. It is as applicable now as it was then. He lived in this time where there was so much that came up against him. I mean, people, people hunted him down. Uh, King Saul was possessed and like tried to you know, shoot daggers at him and spears and all this sort of stuff. His own son rebelled against him and took over the kingdom. Like it was a mess. He dealt with like nonstop issues and yet his heart was steadfast anchored on God. He was the one who God said, here's a man after my own heart. And so when this is the case, when we know that the word tells us, I mean, we could, we could go for weeks talking about end times and, and maybe at some point we will. But the reality is we know that there are signs and shakings and things that are disruptive in the world around us. When that happens, God says that the, the consequence is that people's hearts will start to fear. And that fear is going to start failing. Like there's going to be something on the inside that just melts down for fear of like what is happening. God's people should not be in that same camp. God's people should be the ones walking with a healthy heart, an eye on eternity, and occupying, sharing the light, sharing the love, sharing the truth wherever we go. There should be a safe place in the things of God. And so Psalm 27 gives us this little picture of um, how King David lived his life, how he navigated this sort of craziness that was around him. And we'll start reading uh, verse 1 to 3. And it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Right there, that, that gives you the premise for the concept of, you know, heavenly minded. Yes, King David was able to function as a leader above leaders because this is his starting point. Because he wasn't afraid, because he had this anchor spot for his heart. Verse two, when the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. What? In what he, he's got this internal thing, and he's like, you know what? Honestly, life is hard. There are some things rising up. There, there, like... Literally, there were armies that would just rise up and try and take over. He was in conflict like so much of his life with stuff that he didn't start. Some of us are like, why have you forsaken me, God? There are hard things. Well, you're not the first one to go through the hard things. They happen. But King David was like, but my heart is okay. My heart will not fail. My heart will not fear because of him, because of where I'm anchored. Then in verse four, it says, one thing I have desired of the Lord, and that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord. He has a single desire. He has a single pursuit. He is after God's presence. He's like, my heart's not going to fail me, even though all the hard stuff is happening, because I am just after you. I am seeking you. You are my main pursuit. Not your wisdom. Not even your direction. Not even your... You are my desire. 
I'm after you. He has this holy pursuit. The reality is, if we will go after God like that, if he becomes our major pursuit, all the issues of our life come into order. The things around us come into balance because we're pursuing accurately. There's a heart that is anchored in the right place. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To dwell means to sit down, to remain, to settle, and to abide. So we could just say, he was saying, one thing I have desired and that I will seek, that I can sit down and dwell in your house, in your presence, my whole life. That's what I want. What do I want more than anything else? Not peace on earth. What do I want more than anything else? Not just for my kids to stop acting up. What do I want more than anything else? Not just like a quiet evening alone. What I want more than anything else in my whole life is to sit down with you. Sit down with you. Spend time with you. And then it says, and to inquire in his temple. To inquire in his temple. And to inquire means, this is interesting, to plow, to break forth, to inspect, admire, search, and seek out. So King David is saying, what I want more than anything else. He, he's just said, my enemies come against me. They're trying to eat my flesh. They're I mean, and he may have been talking literally for all we know. An army may encamp against me. My heart will not fear because the only thing I'm after is to come in and to sit down with you and to break in, to inspect, to seek out, to admire, to figure out who you are. What I want to know is who you are. Isn't that interesting? Not what I want to know is the solution to everything. What I want to know is who you are. I want to dig into that. I want to inquire of you. I want to, I want to find out what you think. I want to find out what you have to say. I want to find out what's on your heart. He wanted to know God. Last week we talked at prayer from Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. What about all the issues that we're facing? What about all the problems? What about all the calamities? What about all the stuff? Well, be still and know that he is God and he will be exalted. So the end, the end answer to everything we want to know is he is ultimately sovereign. He is ultimately king of kings and lord of lords. Daniel Kalenda says there is no person so dangerous to Satan's kingdom as one who is intimate with God. Isn't that good? Not, not, not the person who's learned all the techniques of spiritual warfare, but the person who is intimate with God. The person who knows their God shall be strong and do great exploits. So what do you think the distraction of this age is for? If you were Satan, what would you launch? It would absolutely be these distractions and this draw, this, this pull into stuff that doesn't matter. It's just busy stuff. It's just stuff that takes your mind and puts it in places it doesn't belong. It's this thing that pulls your attention and your affections. It's just stuff that takes you away from knowing your God. The hunger, the place that he's calling us into is about knowing God. And when we know God, we know the things about God. So last week we talked about the will of God. The, the sovereign decreative will, the perceptive will, the will of disposition, right? The sovereign decreative will of God is that this is the divine timeline. This is what he is doing no matter what. 
This is the God says when the fullness of time has come, you know, whatever. There is something about this timeline that we are in that is a sovereign timeline. This God has stuff that is assigned to this moment in history. And for those of us who are like, oh my gosh, I can't even, like, I don't know how much more of this I can take. Whatever struggles are going on, whatever political stuff's going on, whatever financial things are going on, whatever, you know, geographic things are going on. And we struggle with that. Do you know that the word says that you were determined by God, your time and the exact boundaries of your dwelling place? You were picked by God to be here and now for this craziness. So instead of trying to get out of it, we need to pause in it and go, okay, game on. I'm, I'm going to figure out what we're supposed to do then. I'm going to get in and get to know God, and I want to hear his thoughts on things. And so with that, then we're going to find the perceptive will of God, the commandments, the instructions. If this is what time it is, then what do I do? What are the things that you're instructing me to do in this moment? And then I want to know the decretive uh, will of God or sorry, the will of disposition. I want to know how God feels about it. I want to know what's on his heart. I want to know what moves him. You know, this morning when we pause and we just like worship that extra couple of minutes, that is blessing the heart of God. That is, that is honoring him. It's not about whether we think we should or we shouldn't or what time it is on the clock. It's he just, he's like, can you sing it again? Can you sing it again? And so we do for him. And in that place of we're after you, we're after knowing you, we want to know you, our heart doesn't fear. You spend a little time with God and you're suddenly not that concerned about what your federal government can do, what your provincial government can do, what the, what the different gatherings are. It doesn't matter nearly so much when you, you are aligned with the king of glory. The one who is above it all, was before it all, is after it all. The one who calls us into relationship with him. And it lets your heart be still again. And just rest in that place with him. Some of us have been in so much turmoil. You know, we, we actually just like don't even know how we're going to cope another week or two. And God's like, you know what? You actually have to stop and just come be with me. Just be still and know that I am God. And in that, that place of rest takes us into the next things. So verse 5, it says then, For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle he shall hide me, and he shall set me high upon a rock. Literally, this is that thing where the word talks about we, we are built upon the rock of Christ Jesus. The house that is built upon the rock, the storms can come, the winds can blow, the rains can fall, but the house stands firm. How do we get to the place where the house stands firm? We are hidden in his pavilion. We're in that secret place with him. We're pursuing him. This is not just, oh my goodness, we have a worship leader for a pastor and she thinks everybody should just worship all the time. No, that's not what it is. When we say we need to get in the presence of God, that's where your lifeline is. That's where your hope is. That's where the stability is. In his presence, your mind changes. Your, the spinning stops. The peace lands. This is where we need to be. This is where the anchor of our soul is. In the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle. And verse six, and now, 
So, and now, and now what? And now because I've spent time in his presence, and now because one thing I have sought was to dwell with him and to inquire, and not like, see, we kind of read that and it's like inquire of the Lord. So explain yourself, God. Explain why you're doing that. No, that's not what inquire means, right? It's to dig out, to discover. So I, because I have spent time with him, seeking him, pursuing him, getting to know him, my heart is okay. And I have come into that place where he's hidden me away and he's set me on the rock. He's made sure my foundation is strong. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. So good. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. There's this place we come into in this. We're seeking him. We're pursuing him. And now that he's reestablished us, the foundation is sure. I can lift my head up. Now I talk to him about the stuff that's going on in my heart. I'm like, hey, okay. So I know you've got it all. I know, Lord, you are in control. I know, Lord, you are sovereign. I know you are powerful. I know you are wise. And therefore, what do I do about my job, my kids, my house, my stress, the stuff. What do, what do I do? Now I inquire of the Lord because I'm not coming just to meet him like a vending machine to get the goods. I pursued him for him. And once I'm there, he lets me ask the other stuff. And when you said, verse 8, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me or forsake me, O God, my salvation. When my mother and my father, uh, father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a smooth path. Why? Because of my enemies. I don't need it to be perfect. But I can recognize that there is an enemy that is coming up against me that would love to trip me up. And so I'm asking you for the smooth way through. I literally sometimes, um, I have called Wayne from time to time when I'm <clears throat> late to something. Um, and I will, <laughs> I will ask him what's the fastest way to get there. Because something about the way his mind works, he knows I am here, I need to get there. And there is a, there is a way, you know, this one has three intersections and this one has five so if you go this way there's less stopping I mean he knows this one has stoplights this one's got whatever so he will just quickly calculate for me the fastest way to get somewhere I equate that to this I still have to get from here to there but I'm asking somebody with a higher perspective what's the smoothest way to get there you tell me I got to get there but there's some stuff that I'm going to come against tell me the smooth way I'm partnering in life with him this is the invitation that he invites me to then it says in verse uh, 12, do not deliver me to the, uh, to the will of my adversaries for false witnesses have risen against me and such as breathe out violence. Verse 13, and here's the heart thing again. I would have lost heart. I would have, just like everybody else is. 
I would have had my heart fail on the inside. I would have had my heart melt within me. I would have had fear rise up. I would have been panicked like everybody else was. I would have been bowed down and living in my own four walls just waiting to get to the end of my life and get out of here. I would have, unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's not talking about heaven. It's talking about on this side of eternity. I would have given up except I know that I'm seeing the goodness of God. I know that God is moving in my life. I know that I am seeking him. I'm pursuing his wisdom. I'm pursuing his counsel. And so my heart is not going to fail me. My heart is going to keep beating and I'm going to keep moving and I'm going to look for the smooth path that he shows me. And my heart is going to be strong because I believe there is the goodness of God right here, right now for me. And I'm going to see it. So I'm not quitting early. I'm not phoning it in. I'm not sitting on the bench and riding out till the end of time. I'm not going to sit on the bench and wait for somebody else to do the work of the ministry. I am going to partner with God. I'm going to see my heart rise up within me and beat for the things that God's heart beats for. I'm going to look for the smooth path. I'm going to walk in it and I'm actually going to experience the goodness of God right here, right now in the midst of it all. Literally, the light shines in the darkness. Yes, darkness is covering the earth. Yes, evil seems to be advancing, but, but, you carry and become the light of the world. You are meant to be a city on a hill. You're meant to be the one who the glory of the Lord has risen upon and shining upon you and out of you. You're meant to be the one that people don't go, yeah, we're all in the same stinky boat together. You're the rescuer. If we're waiting for the rescue package all the time, we miss the purpose. We get to partner with God. King David, based on the description of this Psalm alone, had every reason to get in the walls of his, you know, fort, fortified city and just ride it out. But he didn't. He lived his life in pursuit of the living God. And so we see this, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. We have to stir up the hope. We have to stir up the expectation. Again, that, that phrase, in the last day, days, men's heart will fail them for fear. David said, I would have. Accept that. We need to be living that. I would have. I'm not in denial about what's going on around me. I'm not ignorant of the things that are happening. I'm not, you know, putting my head in the sand and not noticing it. I'm just saying, even though, even though this is where we're at, even though this is what's going on. I would have lost heart, but I have believed that I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Verse 14, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. He shall strengthen your heart. It's the same phrasing that's used in Isaiah 40, verse 31. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. In Psalm 41 and 2, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me out of, out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, 
and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. We as believers are not meant to live in denial of what's going on in the world, but we are meant to shine a light in the midst of it. We are meant to talk and declare the goodness of God. We are meant to share the good news. We are the ones who have been sent out into all the world to preach the gospel to every creature. We are the ones who should live like today could be my last day. So I'm going to spend every minute of it purposefully fixed on him, living out of that place. We must develop the practice of being positioned in presence so that we can be positioned by presence. We must develop the practice of being positioned in presence so that we can be positioned by presence. What that means is we develop in that place of his presence, in that place of knowing him, in that place of pursuing him, in that place of craving him, and in that place, he positions us. We are positioned by his presence into the exact places, the exact time, the exact assignments that he's called us to. I'm going to have the worship team come. And with that, I just feel like I, I, um, I want to just speak to those who have been feeling very restless lately. And you, you've been feeling like, oh my goodness, my life is just, like I don't want to live another 20 years like this. I'm frustrated. I feel tired. I feel, I feel focusless. I feel visionless. I feel like there's just, there's just nothing. And the world around me, without any of my doing, is falling apart. And I have to live with the consequences of it. I, just, I really feel specifically today there is a draw from the Spirit to dig into His presence and find out the truth. Because that... that feeling of enduring life, just, just surviving life is a lie. That idea that like, it's just never going to get any better. It's a lie. That idea that like, nobody's ever going to listen to me. What's the point? I've missed my opportunities. What's the point? It is a lie. And the idea that you can somehow outrun the discomfort is a lie. What we have to decide to do is to pursue him. One thing I have desired and that I will seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord. That I may inquire in his sanctuary. That I can get to know you. I just, I am frustrated. I am tired of life and struggle and issues. The answer is not to solve those things. The answer is to seek him. Dig him out. Find out who he is. Pursue him. Inquire of him. And the other stuff comes into alignment as a result. There is some that are feeling like, like you just, you don't have what it takes. You see the brokenness around you and you actually have a heart to do something, but you're like, I, I, am, I am unable to go that far. I'm unable to do like, I, I don't, I see the problem. I want to solve it. I don't know how to solve it. And so you've been trying to find people to come into agreement with seeing the problem with you so that maybe we can come up with a solution and fix it. It's the wrong focus. The focus is one thing I have desired and that thing I seek. 
It has got to be him first and we live out of him and then we occupy till he comes. We live out of him into the places, the school systems, into the hospitals, into the legal systems, into government, into, into uh, you know, problem solving, social services, whatever it is, we live out of the relationship with him. I'm just saying that if, if, if Jesus comes back today, tomorrow, next week, we want to have lived for him, with him, in him. Not hoping we're ready, just that we'll make it. Can we do Cornerstone again? We're going to end with that. But I want to invite you to stand with me this morning. And we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us our hearts. And where we're at with him. You know, when I, when I started today and I said, what if Jesus is coming at 312 this afternoon? Like I'm throwing out a hypothetical number, but you know what? It's entirely possible. Like legit. That's not meant to scare anybody. If we're good with God, that's exciting news. But it does give us pause on if that was the case, what would we do about it? How would that change our lives? What, what would maybe need adjustment? First of all, if you don't know Christ yet, it literally is about this decision. It's literally according to the good about where I stand. And I am choosing to believe that you paid the price for me and I'm choosing to receive you. If you would like to make that commitment today or you've, you've made the commitment and you've walked away and it's been a different kind of life for you for a while, then today's a really good day to make that straight. So we're gonna sing this song. And while we do, I would like to invite you to come to the front, those that need to make that commitment. And we're gonna pray together. And then we're gonna do a blanket prayer for everybody because we, we need to make sure that we're in a good spot with the Lord right now. We need to make sure that we're living in the place that he wants us to. But if you need to make that commitment to God today, while we sing, just come up to the front and we will pray together. But for each one of us, as we sing this, this is the anchor, this is the truth, this is the reality of our life. Let's sing it as a declaration and a prayer to the Lord this morning.
coming, those that need to make that commitment today. We're going to wait for you. This is a decision you're not going to regret. team come up and join this lady here please and as they pray through these commitments this morning we want to support them in that this is the best decision of your life this is the best decision of your life it is the eternal picture and I want to pray for each one of us today because where I have felt this morning, the Lord is stirring up each one of us to live completely for Him. I, I'm planting this seed. I, I, again, I'm not stating anything specifically prophetically, but you know, every day at 3.12, like if you look at the clock, just think about it. God, today, am I living this for you? Am I living this for you? Am I ready for you? Am I occupying till you come or am I living casually? Am I living for myself? And so God, for each one of these people who have made a commitment today, we speak your blessing over them. We thank you, Spirit of God, that you come and dwell within them, that you bring them life, that Jesus, your blood has washed them clean, that this is a new day and a new start for them. And Lord, we speak blessing on this new beginning that they've embarked upon with you. Lord, may they grow deeply. May they grow well. May they be founded upon the rock of Christ Jesus, Lord. We thank you that you don't shift or shake, but God, you are a firm foundation for our lives to be built upon. And so we bless these, your children today. And God, for each one of us, we thank you for the reminder and the invitation, Lord, that our hearts do not have to fail with fear, that we don't have to live in turmoil, that we don't have to live in, in a, a fearful expectation of what might happen, but God, our life is built on you. Our heart is steadfast in you. Our hope is in you. And Lord, I pray for each person that even today as you are shaking us, as you are shaking us to an awakening, to a stirring up from the inside out, God, any places of our life where we've lived in a way that is substandard to your best for us. 
I thank you that you reveal it. We thank you for the draw into your presence. We thank you, Lord, that you're calling us. And you say, seek my face. Like you said to King David and he wrote for us, you said, seek my face. And my heart said, your face I will seek. Lord, this morning we hear your call to seek your face. And we reply, your face we will seek. Your face we will seek. We will come and we will dwell in your presence. We will inquire of the Lord. We will become steadfast in you. We will be anchored on you. We will look up and we will live out the fullness of your plan for our lives. We thank you for it, God, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. So let's just finish with that final verse and a confidence in our heart, knowing that we will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at VictoryChurchGP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.VictoryGP.com. 
You can also text to give. Just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach. Teach. Mobilize.